0: We know that somewhere in the world someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. I think for sure if Bron goes to L.A., somebody's going with him to L.A. They are a contender with Bron with nobody, but they're definitely a contender with Bron and another superstar. The NBA Awards, the biggest one that has an for it or maybe a question mark is the Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons argument as to who truly deserves to be rookie of the year. We have to talk about the draft. I had my annual sit down with Adam Silver, which should be going viral here any day now. Some of the differences between what it's like to be booed on stage versus what it's like to be cheered. Welcome to the James Harden, that's right, MVP, James Harden episode of Pull Up, it's number 13. Excited to talk to you guys. It's been a little while. A lot has happened since we last spoke. I am back in Miami working out for the week, enjoying some time here with the sunshine. It is officially bachelor party weekend for one of my friends who will be getting married um, in August. I think he's getting married in August, so we're having a bachelor party for him. So looking forward to getting a little break from basketball, but we still will be working out 2 days in between uh, lifts in the morning, going to court later on in the day. And I will be adding in some Rise Nation and some hot yoga because I'm back and I'm better. Uh, before I introduce Jordan Schultz back onto the show, we have to talk about the draft, which was last week. I had my annual sit down with Adam Silver, which should be going viral here any day now. Also got a little tour behind the scenes at the Barclays Center, which was a lot of fun seeing, you know, kind of what it's like for him in terms of, you know, reading the name card, walking on the stage. He talked a little bit about butterflies and you know, how, how important it is for him to make sure he pronounces everyone's name right. And also, some of the differences between what it's like to be booed on stage versus what it's like to be cheered. And the NBA Awards there's the MVP, which was decided rookie of the year, most improved player. There's a lot of interesting outfits people chose, free agency. And we're also going to get into some Twitter questions. So, without further ado, welcome in Jordan Schultz back to Pull Up Pod. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing great, CJ, and
1: uh, I'm fascinated by that experience with with the commissioner because I I almost have always felt like it's a compliment to be booed. That means people care enough about you.
0: What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I think whether it's cheers or boost, it's still admiration. And as the, as the saying goes, any publicity is good publicity, whether that be slander or positive cheers, I think he's embraced it. With him being deputy commissioner, I know before they used to cheer for him, you know, as he called the second round and his first year getting booze had to be a little awkward, had to be a little interesting, but uh he he's done a great job of delivering, you know, year in and year out. Yeah, I've
1: gotten I've gotten to know Adam through the years. And one of the things that struck me about him is he's so committed to the players having a voice, which has obviously been a big issue in the NFL. And I think that that commitment has developed helped and develop you know an assortment of relationships throughout the league and even when there are disagreements that they're able the nba and the and the pa are able to collectively bargain and that's why i think at least one of the reasons why the league is so healthy so when fans boo when they boo the commissioner and there were there were some boos a spatter of boos it doesn't it doesn't really move the needle because david stern used to get booed hard I'm, maybe I should say when you get lightly booed that's good because then you got some people who aren't really sure but everybody else likes you but you, they all care enough so I, I thought it was a great draft and uh, I really enjoyed it you have a couple new teammates
0: Gary Trent Jr. Anthony Simons have you uh, spoke to them at all? I haven't spoken to them but I should be getting their numbers here shortly it was a long week For a lot of us, especially them traveling, getting to the city, getting acclimated with everything, having the press conference, so I want to give them some time, but I'll be reaching out here in the near future, and I'll actually see them at Summer League. I'll be heading down to Vegas for Summer League, probably catch game two or three. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, so I'll see you down there. I'll be down there for a few days working out. We're going to be releasing uh, a player edition leaning specialized shoe. I'm sure the announcement will come at some point. So it'll be a Las Vegas themed shoe. We'll also be releasing a Rose City colorway later on in the summertime. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I, I think that uh, the kid is very, very explosive. I've seen a little bit of him at IMG. He's young. He, Simons you're talking about. Yeah, Simons is explosive. He, he's very good off the dribble. We can make, make his teammates better. I think he has a lot of upside and a very, very bright future. And then Trent has the NBA pedigree, as we've seen before. His father was in the league. He's a big wing. He can knock down shots. Did a little bit of everything at Duke, and I think you know, we'll be able to help him continue to evolve his game, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing how he can impact our roster and how he can impact this league in general. But yeah. what did you think about our draft? And then overall, were there any surprises? I know you, I know you were big on Mamba um, going into this season, uh, going into this draft. He, he ends up going to the Orlando Magic. Then there's Trey Young goes to Atlanta, and then the trade for Luka Doncic, they gave up a lot for him. And we can't forget about a homegrown kid who gets drafted to the Sixers and then traded to the Phoenix Suns. There's just so much that happened on draft night that's under, undercover, and there's always that one player who breaks out. So my question for you is, who's the player that may not have been highly touted or highly talked about in this upcoming draft that's going to break out? And just give me your thoughts overall on this draft.
1: So my guy, highly touted, uh, or perhaps one that should have been and we talked about him, but the Michael Jordan of Delaware. I, I can't say enough good things about Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, he, he can go, see. And he, at 17, he's going to give Milwaukee a lot of juice early on. And I don't want to wax poetic too much about him because we already hit that last week. But like I said, um, his ability to make shots and get downhill, I'm, I just think that explosiveness will translate. The, you mentioned Mikhail Bridges. It seemed like a match made in heaven. For him to go to Philly, where, uh, where his mom is is obviously with the 76ers, he stays home, they draft him 10, and then the only way that deal was able to get done was Phoenix ultimately being able to take Zyra Smith at 15 and make that trade. So that that really surprised me, because I thought Bridges was a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. Um, not to say Zyra Smith won't be a good player, but... Man, that was a that was a fascinating, you know, like thirty minute span. Because he had he had that interview where he was talking all about staying home, what it meant to him, and that was pretty interesting. And then all of a sudden, he finds out he's dealt. It was a quick, very quick uh, entry into NBA lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that was a big, big welcome to the NBA moment. And I was actually doing an interview at the players' Tribune, so I didn't see the pick. Sam texted me, uh, shot me a text. Out to Sam Guffey, he shot me a text and told me that he had, got drafted number ten, lucky number ten. I always say that the 10th pick in the draft has historically been terrific. Uh, Paul Pierce, Paul George, myself, among many others. So I thought it was interesting to see him get traded to a team who wants and needs him. Phoenix is obviously trying to implement three, three and D guys. And I think Mikael Bridges is as, as NBA ready as they come. So, I was really fascinated by Michael Porter
1: falling to 14 with Denver. I think if you really look at this draft he was the most offensively gifted player available, top to bottom, uh, regardless of position. Uh, And that's what I was told by far smarter basketball minds than me. And I think, you know, I had reported before the draft that his second evaluation, which was medicals, that he was clean and that, you know, the medicals looked good, that his back was better than expected. And then there was a report that came out on draft night, I believe, from Woes, which discussed the intel, late intel that came in, saying, you know, perhaps it... His back had had some teams really questioning whether or not uh, he was he was healthy, and that's the biggest thing combined with some perceived lack of maturity that led to him slipping. You know, we heard about some teams wanting to take him earlier. Clearly, they did not feel comfortable enough. He falls in the lap of Denver. Now they can build around him, Jokic, Gary Harris. Obviously, Jokic just signed that one hundred forty-six and a half million dollar max over five. So there's a lot to like about what the Nuggets are suddenly putting together. And obviously, you know, when we talk about maturity for somebody like Michael Porter Jr., you wonder how much is legitimate and how much is just the fact that he's a kid.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that they're talking about his maturity. I mean, how mature do you expect a kid to be at 19 years old anyway? I think there's a lot of maturity issues for not only him, but all players coming into this draft that are that young just because they haven't experienced a lot and still are, are kids in general. But I think the Denver Nuggets definitely got a good player in It'll be interesting to see how Luka Doncic is utilized in Dallas, how they have that pairing with him and Dennis Smith, and Dirk, ironically, being able to mentor him in what could be his last season in the NBA. I think it'll be his 21st season. And then you got Trey Young in Atlanta, along with Dennis Schroeder. What happens there? Are they trying to move Dennis Schroeder, potentially? Are they going to play him together? It'll be interesting to see You know, what happens out there in Atlanta and your boy in Orlando. Oh, Mo Bamba. Yeah, your boy Mo Bamba. I love that pick. I mean, he could end up being the best player in
1: this class. He certainly has... You could you could say he's the only true unicorn in this draft just because of his length and, and size and ability to affect the game on both ends. I love that pick for Orlando. Uh, he's already hit it off from what I've been told with Steve Clifford, which is a huge plus, Their their new coach. And I think, you know, potentially... Well, hypothetically, Gordon resigns. Jonathan Isaac Bomba, There's a lot of length there, and I just love that pick at six. Trey Young. Did you think? Did you have any concerns about him going in because of the lack of size? Because for me, he's so offensively gifted. He's such a wizard or a, or a maestro, if you want to call him, with the ball. His ability to get a bucket, pass, playmake. make. Um, I think he'll be he'll be a terrific player, but. What, were your take on, what was your take on him entering the process?
0: I think he was very, very dominant in college, and as the season went on, you know, teams double teamed him at times, triple teamed him, and kind of put him in some uncomfortable positions. But I thought he fared well, considering you know what was around him and his supporting cast. But the NBA is just a different type of game, so you never know. What type of success a player is going to have, whether they're going to succeed or whether they're going to crumble under depression and in the bright lights. But I think he has a big game mentality, big play mentality, and he can do certain things that translate on any level, in any stage. He can shoot, he can dribble, and he can pass with, with, with really good vision. So... You know, depending on what type of shot selection they allow him to have, obviously he was shooting from half court essentially in college, depending on what type of range they put on him, uh, that'll kind of determine his success early on. But I think he'll be all right. Uh, his ability to shoot, create, and he seems hungry. He's not afraid of the big moment. He's not afraid of comparisons to some of the greats who have played this game at an elite level. So now I always I always hope for the best for the rookies, but I understand there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be some challenges, Obviously, You know, the guarding guys in college versus guarding guys in the NBA is completely different. There'll be size issues depending on certain matchups, but the best defense is offense. So if he can continue to score at an elite level, get his teammates involved and manipulate the pick and rolls uh, similar to the way he did in college, I don't see why he won't be very, very successful. You know, in the NBA. And I think yeah. with, with the roster around him and being able to learn from Dennis, because Dennis Schroeder is a very good player. You know, he's able to do a lot of things at the offensive end. He's quick as lightning. And I'm sure they'll be challenging each other in practice every day. And that's kind of when you get better before the season starts. See, I
1: think Trey Young is going to benefit a lot from two things, uh, or three things, because I don't think Schroeder going to be there. I think number two, he, with a guy like Lloyd Pierce and Travis Slink to a degree in the front office, he's going to be allowed. To make mistakes. I don't want to say encouraged, but he will be allowed to make mistakes and then learn from those mistakes. Um, and then I think three, you know, benefiting from, you know, some of these changes in rules, specifically as it uh, as it relates to, to hand checking. I mean, th- these are things that a guy like him with his size or, or lack thereof will be able to really uh, exploit because of how skilled he is. And You know, you've seen it with Steph Curry. A lot of people, and I don't agree with this, but would say Curry, you know, wouldn't be the same player or even close to it if he played in the 90s. But the ability of Young to benefit from the lack of physicality now and some of the things that are not allowed, to me, will help him both as an
0: isolation scorer,
1: as a pick and roll guy, and uh, just in general as a ball handler and creator.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Summer League and seeing some of the players get the first taste of you know, the bright lights there in Vegas. Um, there's a lot of interesting prospects who will get a chance to kind of showcase their skills. And speaking of the NBA, it's been a long time since a game has been played. However, the NBA awards was last night and guys were dressed to impress. James Harden ended up coming home with the MVP, Lou Williams, sixth man of the year, Victor Oladipo, who had a great season, most improved player, Rudy Gobert, um, defensive player of the year, KD won the, uh, won another award as well, just based on his overall giving and volunteering in the community for the Community Assist. I think Crawford won Best Teammate. There was a lot of awards given out, but the biggest one that has an asterisk by it or maybe a question mark is the Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons argument as to who truly deserved to be rookie of the year. I think early on, Simmons was the front-runner, and then Donovan Mitchell emerged. Obviously, the playoffs don't count because the votes are already in before that, but Jason Tatum had a terrific playoff run, took his team to the Eastern Conference Finals, was a big role, You know, broke some records for the Celtics in terms of consecutive games with 20-plus points. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a, a very, very good playoff run, ended up advancing out of the first round and competing You know, on the highest stage and uh, breaking some records as well for their franchise. And then you have Simmons, who averaged 16-8-8, eight, eight, was terrific throughout the year, steady, um did a lot of different things, but there's that factor, uh, you factor in the fact that he essentially had a red shirt year. Some people didn't like that. What what did you think about it? I, I think it was fair to give Simmons the award, although as a Western Conference player, I played against Donovan Mitchell Moore, so I probably would have been more biased in terms of voting for him. For me,
1: when you think about those three, Tatum could end up being the best player. Simmons could end up being the best, and so could Mitchell. They're both They're all three of them are really special. It comes down to Who was most consistent from the beginning to the end? And for me, that's Ben Simmons. And really, the only flaw in that resume uh, was in the playoffs where he disappeared, but that doesn't have anything to do with the voting. Uh, And secondly, is is the rule. The rule itself is flawed, and I think it needs to be fixed. But for the time being, he is considered a rookie. And as a result, what he did from a rebounding, passing, uh, winning perspective – really helping change the fate of the Sixers, I thought that deserved the MVP. Or, sorry,
0: the rookie of the year. I was like, wow, you think he's better than LeBron and James Harden already. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Simmons was great this year. In, in any other year, you think Jason Tatum, who has probably finished third in voting, in any other year, he wins, he wins rookie of the year with ease. So that just kind of shows you the depth in this class, and how how good some of the players have been, and then the other argument was MVP. James Harden was great, 65 plus wins. He, you could argue he should have won it last year. You could argue he probably should have won it three years ago, but you could also argue that LeBron should win MVP every year. So there has to be a, a point in time to where they give it to somebody else. And based on James' individual success, team success, how dominant he was, and how good of an all-around player he's been for the Houston Rockets his last four or five years, I think it's I think it's it's right to say that uh, he was the MVP of this season, but people will argue that LeBron had more points, more assists, more triple doubles, more minutes played, more games played and kind of impacted his team in a different way to where he may be the most valuable player to his team into this league. So there's always going to be arguments, but I think that I think the trophy went to the right person this year just due to the fact that you have 30 points, eight, nine assists. Uh, five, six rebounds, and your team wins 65 games, how do you argue whether or not someone is is worthy or deserving of the MVP? And then you look at the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder, aka Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, Seattle Sonics, drafted Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, three MVPs on a team. And some people say the, the problem with keeping together the team was Serge Ibaka, you know, figuring out who they wanted to pay. So you have to you have to kind of think, imagine how good they would have been. Or maybe, maybe they don't reach their, their full potential, their full peak playing together. But that's just crazy to think that they have drafted that well and developed that many good players.
1: Well, with all of those guys, they only went to one finals together, and they never really got the opportunity to grow to grow more. Um, but I do wonder for you with, with Harden, what was the difference, having played against him so many times now, what was the difference this year for him? Uh, was it just Chris Paul, or was it? more that made him that much better and
0: more dynamic offensively I think Chris Paul helped but you're talking about a guy who averaged 29 28 points last year as well without Chris Paul and was more so the the focal point of the offense this year they shared a little bit allowed him to rest some and have CP run some on on ball duties as well as off ball duties you know throughout the season with the first unit and the second unit but James overall was in a great rhythm he was getting 60 point triple doubles 50 in back-to-back games he was knocking down the three-pointer at a high rate getting to the free throw line like he always does and just being able to rest more than he has in past years i think it was crucial for his development and for the team's long-term success you know not having to create every offensive opportunity for their team having CP to kind of rely on having EG you know healthy Trevor Reason knocking down shots PJ Tucker bringing that defensive intensity Uh, And then having the lob threat with the big fella in the middle, I think their team dynamic overall changed a little bit, but everyone got better. And I think that's ultimately why they won 65 games and why James, you know, he upped his play and had a dominant, dominant run this season to where you couldn't really take away the MVP trophy from him this year as you could in, in past years.
1: I just look at what you said about LeBron and how he could, in theory, be the MVP every year. If you if you look back at some of the great players, and I'll use Steve Nash and Kobe as an example, like Kobe only won one MVP. He won five titles, but just the one MVP. Nash did not win a title, but he won two MVPs. And then you look at Russell Westbrook, for example. I mean, he essentially had the same year with the triple doubles. His shooting was down a tick, but it was almost exactly the same. You could have argued he was the MVP. And so, I don't know. I just think sometimes we get a little bit too cute saying, uh, oh, this guy's better now, and and yeah, he deserves it more than him because he hasn't won it. When it comes down to it, LeBron is he's still the best player in the world. Most valuable player is the award. However, Harden was spectacular, and I think it's a healthy thing for the league to have
0: not have the same MVP every year. And like you said, he he deserved it. Yeah, I think he deserved it. But looking at the the situation, I think if LeBron wins 60 games, I think he ends up winning MVP. But since the, the roster influx, they had so many changes, they didn't win as many games as they had in past years. I think you have to give it to, think about it, you average 30-plus you, you average a game and your team wins 65 games. I think only Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, and, and James Harden have done that. So that kind of shows you the elite company. There may be one other player who's won 65 games while averaging 30. It's elite company. What he did this year was was incredible, historic season, and it's hats off to him. But it's just funny. You could argue every year. KD could have been in the conversation. I think Dame finished fourth in, in MVP voting. There was a lot of players who had terrific years um, but weren't able to win the MVP trophy. And you could also argue that D. Wade. Yeah, no, that's true. D. Wade could have won the MVP of the year. Steve Nash did, averaging, what, 36 and 5? That was an incredible, yeah. was an incredible yeah. year. So it's it's an unfortunate situation, but that leads us to a better discussion, free agency, based on t- team success.
1: Yes, okay, that's that's where we're going. Because I was going to do a little free agency bridge there and go from LeBron and Harden to what if LeBron joined Harden and how would that look like, in, or what would that look like in Houston?
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be very, very interesting, although I think it's unlikely to happen. I think personally... I don't think he's going to do it based on the roster construction. Obviously, they have to figure out if they're going to pay CP, give him five years. Trevor is off off the books, and they have to figure out if they're going to give him what he's looking for. I think he said he wants around ten a year for a four year deal. Capella. So, obviously, they have the bird rights on Capella, so they can they can go over to keep him since they have his uh, rights. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and obviously. Paul George's decision. He's partnered up with ESPN to launch a, a three-part series based on his summer, the decision he makes, and like what his life would be like going forward. And um, I don't think you do that type of show if you're going to stay in Oklahoma City. I think that that show is the kind of show of inside life on Paul George's rise to stardom. You know, coming from California, coming from Fresno State to Indiana to OKC into LA or wherever he end, ends up deciding to go. And then you have the Kawhi Leonard situation where the Spurs are not trading him to a Western Conference contender. You know, Based on what I think, looking at the roster and looking at how they've been historically, I don't see them giving him up to a Western Conference team. I think they might end up letting him sit on the bench the whole season if he doesn't want to play for the team uh, and letting him walk for free as a free agent, potentially, depending on what type of offers they field from the Boston Celtics, the, the the 76ers and other teams. I think that'll be interesting, but the big domino. The big domino is Bron. I think a decision is looming in the next, I don't know, week or so. He said he didn't want to drag it out as he's done in past years. I think if he goes to L.A., that swings Paul George, that swings a Kawhi Leonard possible decision. And I think the sleeper player to go to L.A. in this whole situation is Chris Paul. Wow. So you're saying if Bron... Yeah, I said it. If Bron
1: collaborates with CP and, to a lesser degree, Paul George... Uh, or I guess it would all be even because they would all pretty much be making the same amount. If they all collaborate, then the Lakers end up with Bron, PG, CP. Wow. I'm just thinking about how that would look. So in that
0: sense, LeBron would probably opt in and then they would do a signing trade. I don't know how it would work financially, but I think it's a bigger possibility than people think, obviously. Chris Paul played for the Clippers. I'm sure he probably still has a house in L.A. And if the Houston Rockets aren't going to give him that fifth year, I don't know what the situation is, you know, there. Obviously, there's rumors and reports. Nobody really knows what's going on besides him and management. But if any of those rumors are potentially true and they don't want to give him the fifth year, who's to say he would be against going back to L.A.? Yeah, I think only he can answer that. I think for sure, if Bron goes, you get one more, whether that's CP, whether that's Kawhi, whether that's Paul George, somebody's going with him to LA because it's LA for starters, because it's a big market. Two of those guys are from LA. The third has a place there, and they are a contender with Braun, with nobody, but they're definitely a contender with Braun and another superstar. I'm really into this idea. I think it just depends on what the Lakers are willing to give up. You got Coos, you got Ingram, you got Ball. You have a lot of very, very good pieces in place. Yeah. you got IT, who's potentially coming off the books. There's a lot of pieces you can potentially throw into a trade to make to make the numbers work. They can already take on two max contracts. If you give up Julius Randle and let him walk, there, there's rumors that Dallas, there's some other teams who are potentially interested in him and would give him a big number in the open market. They're getting two stars. It's Magic Johnson. This is a big organization who's historically been successful I think they're getting two stars, and the big domino could be LeBron. So
1: I've said for a while that I thought LeBron was going to the Lakers. The Chris Paul thing is really interesting because he – well, he probably should have been a Laker, had the NBA not interfere. That was a kind of the last a notch <laughs> on David Stern's belt as NBA commissioner. But what the interesting part about that is if Bron and CP are together, and Paul George is there, but let's focus on Bron and CP, that allows him – the elite Hall of Fame point guard that he's never had. And in turn, it allows him to rest as a playmaker, as a ball handler. And I I, I like that a lot. If I'm the Lakers, that would be absolutely ideal. I, I don't want to say more than Kawhi if they get PG, CP, and LeBron, but the reason it could be is, be, is because Kawhi could always opt out in a year. Right. Uh, If you give Chris Paul, let's say, a five-year max, because they have $70 million in cap, assuming they let Randall walk. So they have a ton of money. And as you mentioned, three really good young players, maybe a great one in Ingram. That's a fascinating idea. And it would really
0: shift the balance of the West uh, to Hollywood. It it definitely would. It's a very interesting thing. And I agree with everything you said, except for the fact that LeBron has played with Kyrie, who... Whether he's a true point guard or not, you can argue he he's a Hall of Fame caliber guard. So besides Kyrie, I would That's agree true. with what you said in terms of CP being maybe more of a pass first guard and historically, you know, he's, he's very ball dominant, but able to put people in position to succeed maybe a little bit better than Kyrie. No, you're right. But Kyrie's a Hall of Fame caliber player.
1: Oh, no, no, no doubt about it. I was saying more of like an established, um, you know, end of his career or. You know what I mean? Like, that type of player that's done it for a long time. Because I think Kyrie is a phenomenal player, and I think he probably is going to be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, he's had injury concerns. He's in his mid-20s, which is great. But what I meant was Chris Paul, the ability to really be a true pass-first point guard. I guess that was probably a bad analysis.
0: Yeah, I get to the true <laughs> pass—the true— Past first part, I understand that, but I was just I just wanted to clarify because you know how the the blogs get to saying that I said something when I didn't say anything. I, I'm rolling with Mr. Irving uh, seven days out of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> twice on Sunday for sure. But this free agency is going to be be very interesting, Mr. Irving. Mr. Mr. Irving, <laughs> I'm rolling yeah. with Mr. Irving, but this is going to be very very interesting free agency period, and um, obviously these are just You know our thoughts and opinions. We have no real insight on what's going to potentially happen, but it's always fun to discuss it. And with free agency looming, you know a lot of a lot of people will be re-signed with certain teams and moving on to the open market. I look forward to seeing what happened, what's going to happen. And we wouldn't be a show if we didn't get some input from the fans and listeners out there. So, you know, we we posted on Twitter uh, last night and this morning, just basically saying that we would answer questions from Twitter. So, let's get to it. Uh, At C underscore Sabro. I hope I said that right. Chris Sabro. What up, bro? Besides Turkey, where else have you and are you traveling this offseason? That is a great question. I've been to Turkey. I always go to see Big Bro. I plan on going to Cabo for a little R&R relaxation. Uh, Wifey's birthday, so... For that weekend, we're going to spend some time in Cabo. Um, She's never been and I've never stayed at the place we're going to be staying at, so I'm really looking forward to that. I also have a trip planned to China for the brand, Shaat Li Ning, anything is possible, where I will be able to grow the brand, learn more about Chinese culture, have some great food and travel and continue to spread knowledge and my skill set on basketball while, while having some clinics, of course. Michael Arker at Mike Arc Twenty Two. If Harden, Russ, and KD are still together, are they better than Golden State right now? No, Jordan. Well, I guess you're saying
1: KD's not on the Warriors right now, so you you minus KD, and then I would say yes. Exactly, you minus yeah. KD. Then I think it's they a would yes. be. That doesn't mean God. That's a good question. I don't know. I I would say yes, just because of all three of those guys in their prime. Take KD away. Suddenly, the Warriors look a little vulnerable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say that Harden, Russ, and KD on OKC instead of KD on Golden State, you, you're looking at a very, very good team. Especially if they're all able to still hit their prime, and you still have the James Harden you see today, the Russell Westbrook you see today, and the well-rounded KD you see today. I think that team is a little bit better, but it would still be interesting in, in a very competitive series. You know what?
1: I wanted to ask you the one that the
0: question I really liked
1: was during a practice scrimmage. This is from Thalia Lara, at Thalia Lara 11. During a practice scrimmage, who was the hardest teammate to guard? Because the obvious answer is Dame, but some guys are really good in practice. Right. Like, some guys that don't even play
0: are just bucket getters. Yeah, I mean, Dame is obviously the, the easy pick in terms of his ability to score in a variety of ways and dominate a game from... You know, th- three levels uh, more so three pointers and getting to the paint, but he also has a mid-range game. But I would say Will Barton. Will Barton is one of those players who can score in a variety of ways. He's athletic. Yeah. He can get he can get buckets in transition. He can get buckets in isolation situations, and he's de- developed a, a reliable jump shot, as uh, Denver Nuggets fans have seen throughout the years. Uh, he's a he's a tough. Tough matchup and somebody I've played against a lot, you know, especially in our younger years. One on one, one on one, full court, two on two with my homie T Rob. Shout out to Victor Claver who's, who's in Spain playing for uh, Barcelona. But yeah, I would go with Dame and Will Barton for sure, based on the versatility and ability to impact and dominate. Yeah, Barton's just a bucket getter, super, he, super
1: bucket. He getter. shot thirty seven percent from three last two years, and he's a free agent. He's gonna have, he's gonna
0: have a nice summer. He's gonna get a bag. Yeah. Hey, it's one of the best sports in the world. Edmund Dantes at MGBTOY. Where do most players get their suits? Best tailor. That's a great question. A lot of guys have a variety of people they get their suits from. I can only speak on myself. I have historically used Antar Lavar. Shout out to my guy. He does a very good job of putting together my suits. If you check my Instagram, you'll see some some fire. All handmade, all custom made. A lot of it's coming straight from Italy. And they also tailor them as well. Uh, I've had a few, I've had a few um, different tailors I've used over the course of my career, whether that be in New York or LA, depending on where I'm at. But uh, you just have to find the right tailor. It doesn't matter where you get the suit from. If you have the right tailor, you can good at, look good at anything. I've also donned some suit supply and really killed the look. So it just really depends on the tailor and how it's fitting you.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think the C.J. McCollum suit game. If you've gone. If you look at it from draft night till now, you talk about an upgrade. You, you you have become a sophisticated, you know, worldly guy. And and I don't know who made that draft night suit, but I don't
0: think you'd be wearing that tonight if you're going out. <laughs> it's funny. I actually still have that suit. It was a very very nice suit, well put together. I think that it's just different because of the the color, the tie, what I use with the yeah. pocket square. Yeah. Probably not something I would pick at first glance, but the the actual suit, the gray, how it's off color a little bit, uh, you definitely can rock it. It's versatile and, and looks good in the summertime, but you have to remember that I was young, man. I didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't exposed to a lot of different things. I didn't have the ability to to have tailors on call, to have suits flown in, to, to have those types of things. Now, I'm a, I'm a suit connoisseur. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on I'm on the the web constantly searching and trying to improve my suit game and add to the collection. And now, five years later, I have over 100 suits. Uh, Probably more
1: than I actually need. (laughs) You know, you told me that when we watched the playoffs together and I thought to myself afterward, like I didn't realize it in the moment. Then I started to think, does this dude really have 100 suits? And I think it's true. And what I'm suggesting is that if you need to get rid of them, you just give them to me and I
0: could kind of be like a proxy for you. I don't think you'll be able to fit them because they're built for my body. So, you know, one of my shoulders is slightly raised more than the other. So I know. it's literally custom all the way down to the sleeve, like all the way down to the, to the bottoms of my feet. So I'll keep them and, and stay fit for as long as possible. And that'll be my motivation when I retire to continue to exercise so I can still fit my suits. And then at some point I'll pass the fly ones down to my son and then... I'll give some of the charity and kind of mix it up uh, that way. But yeah, I, I have way more than I need. They're in closets all throughout the house. I have suits in New York. I have suits in Ohio. It's, it's, a, it's a problem, but it's also a good problem to have. Next question. How
1: about, how about this from Marshall W. Ward? How come we haven't held Schultz underscore report, that's me, responsible for saying the Sixers are going to make it to the finals and the LeBron wouldn't? Did I actually say that? I feel like... People don't make things up on Twitter. I feel like I... People don't ever make things up on Twitter. Yeah, I'm just thinking about... Yeah, I must have said that at some point, uh, which is obviously horrendous. And you should hold me accountable, Marshall W. Ward. Tweet at Schultz underscore report some real negative things (laughs) and they'll get on this podcast (laughs) because you're 100% right. It's an
0: embarrassing take and I'm disgusted with myself. Yeah, I'm sorry you said that and I'm sorry our listeners had to hear that. Uh, ridiculous take. It's obvious that uh, your expertise lacks at times <laughs> when it comes to choosing teams for playoffs and potential finals appearances. Uh, Read Newcomer, one of my favorites. Do you prefer ebooks or a physical copy when reading and why? That is a great question. Lately, I've been reading physical copies because it takes me back to my childhood, actually having to hold a book. I have a nice bookmark with uh, a very good Bible verse on it. So it, it takes me back to my childhood and reminds me to kind of, you know, stay off of my phone and, and kind of take a break from social media. But ebooks are great because you can store more books on there. It's a smaller device. You can put it in your phone. You can put it on your tablet. And it's easier to kind of travel with it. But I, I've lately been doing physical books. But when I started getting into audiobooks and ebooks, uh that's definitely very convenient for me. What do you do, Jordan?
1: I, uh, ironically... For someone that's on the computer and phone relentlessly, I am a hard copy kind of guy. I like the—it's kind of like the newspaper too. The smell of it, the feel—I like the bookmark. And this is going to sound nuts, but I have never actually bought a, a Kindle or any type of ebook device. Wow! But you can still buy books on your actual cellular device, right? You can, but I'm looking at a. But you haven't. I'm looking at five books right now, three of which I've read, and I'm probably going to reread because there's certain sentimental value about having a physical book for me. And to your point about bringing back to the childhood, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We
0: got something in common. Glennard Parrott at Glennard 500. Is billions better than Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones? That is an excellent question. However... Breaking Bad is historically one of the best shows ever invented, so it's hard to compare those two. Since billions is still going on, it has time to dethrone Breaking Bad, and it also has time to dethrone Game of Thrones. But Game of Thrones is unbelievably scripted. There's different realms, there's different levels, components to it, to where it really makes you think. And they took a year break, so that's really... Shows you the dominance they've had they had to take a year off to kind of get the get the fans to really want more and yearn for more of Game of Thrones so Beyoncé is a great show. I think it's hard to compare them since Beyoncé is still going on, and we're currently you know watching it, although the season has just ended but I look forward to seeing more of that and I also look forward to seeing Power, which comes out July first we introduce a new series and season of Power, and I can't wait to watch Power because it's one of the best shows on TV. Shout out to 50 Cent and everyone that produces that. All the people playing crucial roles in Power are doing a terrific job, and I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I, here's what I'll get.
1: Not that anybody cares about my take in shows, but, but I do. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you a quick... <laughs> Game of Thrones is the Spurs. Billions is the Warriors, the current. Game of Thrones is... You know, it's it's current, but it's kind of on its last legs, although they're going to have the prequels. And Breaking Bad is the Jordan era Bulls. All great. All offer different. That was a good comparison. Thank you. And then, and then they, you know, they all offer different uh, components. They're all fantastic shows.
0: That was a very, very good comparison. Although, I don't know if Billions is the Warriors. I don't know how I felt about that, but I love Billions so much, I'll accept it for what it is. Nick A. You just love Billions. <laughs> At BlazersFan247. Shout out to my Blazer fans out there. Hey, CJ, I'll be traveling back to Portland next week. First time home in years, and I'm taking the girl back for her first trip to Portland. Where should I take her slash where's one place we need to go? Thanks. I know you have your Portland plug on your show. You know it. Shout out to you. So I have a list of restaurants, but if your girl's from Portland, it's obvious that you know what places you should take her to. So I would start by getting a mani-pedi. You can never go wrong with that. And I would recommend going to Top Solar Nail Salon and getting the Milk and Honey Deluxe. It's crucial. It's necessary. It'll last a little while. And it gives you a chance to pamper her, pamper yourself, and take a break from all that comes with this hectic lifestyle. Then, depending on what type of food she likes, I would either say go Italian. Uh, You have Piazza Italia. You have some other very good restaurants. You can go steak. With El Gaucho, you can go um, Ox, you can go ringside. or if you want views I would say Portland City Grills is a very good place for views or you can go to departure or Ox which is on the ox is on the eighth floor of the Nines hotel departure. Is on the 15th floor. So those are some very, very good options for you. And you can't go wrong with getting some ice cream afterwards. And then if you're looking to really spoil her and take advantage of Portland, you have to hit up one of the wineries, whether that be Domaine Serene, uh, Walter Scott, among many other wineries where you can enjoy some fine dining and red wine. So that would be my suggestion for sure. And with that being said, we talked about wine. It's only right that we introduce the newest wine corner. Cue the music, please. <sighs> Always good to hear that music. Mm, so soothing. I had a terrific week during draft week. Uh, I was able to get workouts in every day, two-a-days, lifting in the morning. Shout out to Todd for pulling up on me in New York. Got some working with Brick, Kev, and Mike. And in between, at nighttime, I would indulge in a beverage or two. And I uh, got to see some of my Lehigh buddies. Shout out to my roommates from 308 East 5th Street, Gabe, Holden, Jordan, held it down for years. We shared stories, shared laughs, but more importantly, we shared drinks. And um, I had a frosé. <laughs> it was my first time ever having a frosé. As you can imagine, it's frozen rosé. And then for dinner, we had two things. And I also, be remiss if I didn't say this, I went to my first Shabbat dinner. One of my girl's my best friends uh, invited us over for Shabbat dinner, one of her dental school friends. And it was awesome. And there was wine and things of that nature, but from a dinner perspective, I had the Flowers from Vineyards Valley, Pinot Noir from the Sonoma Coast, 2016. It's priced at $48.49 on Vivino. And <clears throat> they also sell a 2011 on Vivino. It has a 4.2 rating with 7, 717 ratings. And then since I was away from Oregon, I missed it so much. I had to have the Two Barnes Vineyard. Uh... Pinot Noir from 2014, which was outstanding and was paired well with everything. And for my friends out there who are from France and listening to the to the podcast, mm-hmm. I had the Morrison-Evansted uh, Premier Crew, Grand Vinde Bourgogne. I <laughs> don't really know how to say it. have to work on my French. But it was sensational, and there's no price on Bovino because... No one has really tasted this because it's semi-new and from some of those rare, rare grapes in France.
1: That's impressive, CJ. I'm going to go with the Hansel Pinot Noir 2014 from Sonoma Coast. Uh, we actually visited a few months back, and it's a beautiful winery. They have, like, you know, cats on property, and it's just a it's a low-key establishment, but they make unbelievable wines, specifically Pinots, and... Uh, as the winemaker notes read, juicy red fruit aromas of raspberry, pomegranate, and bean cherry are ha- are enhanced by notes of orange peel. So it's a it's a it's a great wine. Fifty four ninety nine, a
0: little pricey, but uh, worth it. I'm gonna have to add it to my list for sure. I'm looking forward to that. Send me the text too, so I'll, so I can have it in my phone and it will be in my in my cart on my next Vivino shipment. Appreciate all our listeners out there tuning in faithfully. We'll be back next week. Um, you can follow the show at Pull Up Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Insta. You can follow me at CJM313 on Snapchat, at CJ McCollum on Twitter, and at 3J McCollum on Instagram. And you can follow Jordan at
1: at Schultz underscore Report on Twitter and Instagram, and Jordan Schultz on Facebook.
0: And don't forget to
1: pull up. Pull up.